I believe there are two ways to approach our lives. One is looking at it as a series of norms we have to live into and objectives we have to achieve. This view is full of expectations, pressures, bias, and systemic dynamics that continuously need to be overcome. The other is to look at life as a series of choices we make and goals we set for ourselves, a life that is full of agency, growth, and opportunity. Welcome to Live Stoked and Lead Stoked, where we explore both life and work from that latter perspective. I'm your host, Sarah Bettman, coach, consultant, and speaker. More importantly, I'm a fellow traveler on the path towards living my own stoked life, and I'm passionate about helping others do the same. Let's jump into this exploration of life and work and what it means to live and lead stoked. Hi, everyone. It's good to have you here. So excited to have all these listeners. I got some great feedback about the Ask Me Anything structure and already have new questions for the next one coming up. Also excited about the guest sessions we're having. Just to give you a little bit of where we're landing with the format, what we're going to try is we're shifting instead of every other week, we're going to do one a week and start with a guest. And then I'm going to share some of my deep thoughts and then another guest and then a Q&A and, uh, or the ask me anything session. And the idea behind this is multiple fold one, uh, there are amazing people out in the world who are living their most stoked lives, as you've already seen with the guests who've been on here. And I want to make sure you get to hear all of them. The ask me anything is just really fun. And I love the questions coming in. And the feedback has been positive and may even have some guests doing the AMA, just blind questions and answer as you get them. And then I want to keep telling my story. So that was the purpose of this. So that as of, uh, I guess, where we are, episode five or six, or I can't keep track, Allison, my amazing producer is the one who keeps track of all that. That's what we're going to start doing. So as always, I'd love to get your feedback. Let me know what you think. But we're going to jump in here with a question I think is so common. I'm about to go on a series of events. Um, I was just at one a couple weeks ago. And the number one question I have is, do you have kids? To which I respond, I forgot to have them, but I have also seen them, which usually gets some laughs. Um, And then we move on our merry way. And there was a group of us sitting around after the event talking, some with kids, some without, some younger, some older. And the stories around having children are complex, as is mine. And really, the answer I forgot to have kids is just a short way to answer, keep it light without getting into detail. But the reality is much more complicated than that. See, the thing is, I never thought I wouldn't have kids. I wasn't like, well, I guess I was when Cabbage Patch Kids came out. I had my baby Cabbage Patch kid with a a bed in my closet, which was the same bed that my cousin slept in. Uh, She is now in her 30s. And I carried her around like she was my doll. Like I I always loved kids. And I translated that into thinking I would always have kids. And especially as I went through my burnout, went through coaching, I spent a lot of time thinking about how I would raise my kids, how I would uh, apply things I was learning either through other parents or through my coaching to raise wonderful little beings. And that just didn't happen. I forgot to have them. And so You know, a little bit about my story is I met my first husband. I referred to him before. We met, I'll be transparent in that I didn't know who I was. So he's been pretty solid all along. We're still friends to this day. But for me, I had no sense of self that I talked about in the first episode. 
so in some ways, the marriage was a false proposition because I wasn't solid about what I was getting into. And as it was becoming clearer and clearer, I was burning out. I even had a biological clock experience where it's like, oh, if we have kids, maybe everything will be better. And it was fascinating to observe that experience. We've all heard stories of someone who whose marriage was on the verge of ending and then having children seemed like the good solution. Well, I lived that. And the only thing I can explain is it was a biological clock survival thing. And what's interesting about that time, I happened to be doing a 12-step program for eating to lose weight. And all my weight and body stuff is a story for a different time. But I um, lost so much weight that I lost my period. And so in this period where we're going to have try to have kids and I'm, I'm thinking this will solve everything, I lost my period. And what was interesting about that is even as I moved out of the 12-step program, it was fundamentally healthy. If you looked at the calories, there was a lot to it that was sound and great and that I apply to my life today, but something didn't fit for me. And as I started eating, as I started gaining weight, getting healthier, I still didn't start my period to the point that I was getting scanned for possible tumors concerns about you know what was going on. And it lasted long enough. And what's fascinating during that time was that evolution, that burnout time, and that realization that I was able to think through that that would have been the worst thing that could have happened, both for my ex and I. It would have decreased our options considerably. We had just different values, different ways of seeing the world. So bringing a child into what was already a disconnected relationship would have been a disaster. So I tell that story, I, I suppose, because it's an important part for me and the ability to step outside myself and see how instinctually that desire to have kids was so loud and clear at a time when really I was struggling with a lot of other things. It seems kind of comic now that, that a child would make sense when I was broke on disability with a marriage ending with a no sense of self, but you know, our, we're wonderful humans having a one wonderful human experience. But if you felt that and it felt a little crazy, I'm right there with you. So fast forward and series of relationships later, it started to become clear as I was approaching my 40s that I might not have kids. And so I grieved that possibility. I'll never forget. I was driving along the California coast on my way to work and just started bawling. I had to pull over because it, it started to become real that I might not have kids. I think it was a gift for that moment because I, I got it out of my system and it was something I thought about, but I moved on my merry way. And shortly after, a few years later, I met my now husband, Matt. And when you meet someone at 40, you uh, <laughs> we joke it was one of these things, well, this is as good as it gets, so I hope you like it. But it also meant we talked very directly about our values, what we wanted for our lives, for this next chapter of, li of our lives, relationships, and kids. And there was a question mark there for him. And, you know, in the spirit of looking at all sides of it was a question mark for him because of his first marriage. Not at all, but that was a question mark that he had to explore and that with me might want to have kids. For me, I had to really think through if we went forward and didn't have kids, would I ever resent it? And I have to say that time was a gift because I think a lot of women and men, parents, jump into, talk about identities and roles that are put upon us. One of the roles that I think is heavily put upon us, regardless of your gender, is parenthood. And certainly I had to have conversations with my family, and I think they were starting to see the writing on the wall. So it wasn't too difficult. 
but at the same time, it was still a thing. And certainly I know other friends and clients who, for whom that was really a serious thing to decide not to have kids or, or take, you know, take the, take down the family line, whatever, whatever that meant to carry the lineage. So it was a gift that we took about a year, a solid year, year and a half to really think through this, to come together. And for me, I was doing my own work. And there were a few things that really helped me look at Matt and say, we're cool. It's fine. I won't resent this. The first thing that I really thought about as it related to kids was, would I regret not having them? Obviously, that's that's the, the main question. And I read an article at the time that talked about I imagined in my head a bell curve. And and if I find the article, I think it was in a major publication, so I could search it and we'll put it in the show notes. But the people who are really sure about having kids and the people really sure about not having kids are, are about the tails, 10% each. It's probably different numbers now, and I, it's not really about the numbers. But what it gave me was permission to be in the question of not having kids. And I've certainly had friends who you know have questioned would our life have been better without kids not that they don't love their kids incredibly but still it's a question and certainly knowing people for when they had a choice cuz i want to acknowledge there are some parents that didn't have a choice in having a biological child but they wonder i mean there's just a lot of wonder and that gave me freedom to not have this fully resolved the other thing i became clear is i'd really wanted partnership primarily. And and you're going to laugh when you hear this story. Well, I hope you laugh and not think I'm totally weird. But there was a movie called She's Having a Baby. Great 80s movie uh, with a montage where, you know, of course, she's almost dying. And the husband who's feeling stuck in a frustrating period of the pregnancy, you know, is now thinking about her as she's potentially dying and the montage of how much he loves her and, and, you know, how engaged he was and caring with the baby that was part of the mental gymnastics that made me want to have kids. Like I just wanted that to be a validation of the love my significant other had for me. And this goes right up there with the earlier story I told you, I think in episode one or two about wishing I got hurt so I could have a day off. Uh, I promised you I'd be honest with you. And so I'm sharing this one with you. And so that gave me a great opportunity to really think about what did that say about me where I needed pregnancy to validate my relationship. And Matt and I had many conversations over this year. It wasn't a, you know, talk about it, go to your corners and then talk about it again. And and I was able to share this with him and start rethinking about how I validate a healthy relationship and being in relationship. And then I didn't need this magical motherhood pregnancy thing and connection with my husband, which really is just a movie and not necessarily reality. I think it goes the other way. You have that connection with your husband first, and then you have the baby and then it's that connection that creates all the loving. But anyway, I, I wasn't, um, I'll talk more about my relationship on a different episode. But yeah, it was uh, something really interesting to look at early in the relationship. And then a final thing that was a gift during this time is I had a dear friend who wanted to have a baby. She was in a relationship situation that that didn't necessarily wasn't conducive for her having a child on her own, doing artificial insemination, and she still wanted it. And we would go on hikes and I would listen to her talk about the pros and cons and her desires and what she wanted and how she would feel if she didn't do this and miss this opportunity as she was getting older. And I just found myself saying, I don't feel any of that. 
So going back to the biological clock that I felt when my marriage was ending, I had a a benchmark. I don't even know if you'd call it a benchmark, but something that kind of felt hormonal. And I've heard in late 30s and 40s, you can have that second biological clock kind of hormonal instinct to want to have kids. And I just didn't. I just wasn't feeling that. And it was such a gift because I was going back to, I wanted to be pregnant as a medical provider. I was curious and fascinated. And then I had my kind of 80s movie driven idea of what a healthy relationship was. Thank God I fixed that one. And then kind of those roles and norms of that's what people do is have kids. And it started to paint a picture for me that I'd be okay, that having Matt, who um, we've been together now 10 years, would be okay. And I have my niece and nephew that I love more than anything, and they are my my loves of my life, and I love all the kids that are around me. And I'm that friend's um, godmother, which is re- uh, friend's daughter's godmother, which is really a gift. So, you know, I guess it comes down to I love the, all the children. So that's a little bit of my story. And, and in the spirit of live stoked, lead stoked, I want to highlight a few things. The role of parenthood is put upon us many times. And sometimes we put it on ourselves because we think that's what it means to, like I said, be in healthy relationship or that's what it means to be an adult, whatever we say, but it also can be put upon us by our family, but even culture. And so for me to have to really truly get to choose is pretty damn awesome. So when we get into that cultural thing, it's starting to rethink about what caregiving means. Because now, though I forgot to have kids, and I love kids, and and I love the kids that are in my life, where I'm spending a lot of effort is in caregiving. And so as I work with organizations on culture, inclusive culture, post-COVID culture, there's a lot of talk about, you know, how do we take care of our employees? And there's been an evolution happening. This was happening pre-COVID, but I think COVID put light upon the issues of caregiving and the many definitions of it for people in organizations. So it started with maternity leave because you have to take care of the moms, but then the dads wanted to be a part of it. And so it shifted to parental leave or adding some sort of paternity leave that was part of maternity leave. And then there was parental leave. But even in some cultures, say Japan, there was an article a couple of years ago about how they're trying to get the men, the fathers to take their paternity leave, but the culture is so significant there that they just don't take it. And again, even cultures and companies might be such that regardless of, of the gender of the parent, they don't feel safe to take the full time or, or leave early enough if they're having complications. They're trying to navigate this major life event through the lens of the corporate culture, and the corporate culture might not support them. So then take it further to family leave, where companies have figured out that the definition of family and caretaking for many of us, especially Gen X and, and kind of older generation, we're, we're taking care of our parents. And I ha- don't happen to be sandwiched between kids and parents, but I am certainly taking time to take care of my mother who now has Alzheimer's and being with her. And it's a wait. And, and a blog post or a post I wrote recently was about her Alzheimer's. And uh, just timing-wise, San Francisco 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. But I learned to be a San Francisco 49er fan with my mom. And uh, I wasn't going to tell this story here because I don't know if I can get through it, but I'm going to try in the spirit of being authentic and let you know what's on my mind. Um, 
we went, there was a big game, 49ers and Philadelphia Eagles. If you're a 49ers fan or a Philadelphia Eagles fan, which my husband happens to be both, you knew it was an important game. And when it's an important game, I would try to be with my mom. And when I went to where she lives, she's in a care facility. We sat down to watch the football game with uh, some of the other residents. And about 10 minutes in, she just got up and went to wander. And I realized that was the day that Alzheimer's took football from us. Alzheimer's has been taking more and more from us, but that day it took football from us. And, and that weight and energy, she's safe. She has a good home to live in. We see her often enough to her desire. We are very lucky in many of the ways her Alzheimer's is presenting, but it's something that I carry and have a hard time letting go of. How do you grieve someone that's still alive? And I would, I would say this might be similar. I don't know. As, as I said, I don't have kids. I forgot to have them. You know, a child being sick and having a part of you always kind of aware of that, or even a child being away from home at college and, and just always kind of wondering where they are and if they're okay. And so when we get into caregiving, it's important to know that, and, and this has been learning for me working in corporate spaces, that how people define caregiving, the weight they carry on their heart can come from many differences, different places. In some culture, the aunts and uncles are as important as the parents. So that extended family that's close, if any of them are ill, it's not about, well, they're not a close family, so you don't get bereavement. It doesn't feel that way to the person, individual dealing with that. Even organizations like my last organization went so far as they provide bereavement for pet leave. And okay, some of you might be rolling your eyes out of your head, but for some of us, we love our pets so much. When I've lost pets that first day or the days while they're in the hospital, you're trying to navigate bed appointments, hear what's going on. To have an organization to make that okay is pretty darn special. And so I wanted to share this story because like I said, it's a question that I think about a lot, but then I translate it and what does it mean for leadership, leadership programs, um, advancing women and how we frame it through caregiving and, and motherhood sometimes cannot feel super connected. Or if we look at caregiving just through the lens of parenting without recognizing the double kind of whammy people have with parents or the different parents and kids or the different ways people define their closest families. We sometimes say these things to be protective of what the real story is. And it's always important to me that part of living our stoked lives is that we're able to tell the story when we're comfortable, when it's meaningful. Leading stoked is creating a safe space for those that are caretaking and navigating the complexity of whether it's parenthood, whether it's caregiving, whatever it is, and, and being the sort of leader that people can come to you and tell you what you need. And then the organization that creates stoked employees is the one that knows this and creates systems and processes to help people take care of whatever it is they need to take uh, care of. So not necessarily an AMA, uh, not necessarily anything that um, fits in anything, but uh, it was a conversation we were having just last week, and I thought I'd share it with you all. So yeah, I forgot to have kids, and it's as simple as that, but now you all know it. It's much more complex. So I hope you're all having a great day. I hope you're enjoying listening. If uh, you have any ideas for me, uh, any feedback, I'd love to hear it. Rating is awesome, especially on Spotify and Apple. Thank you to everyone who already has. 
And please share this with friends and family, dogs and cats, anyone who might be interested in listening. Uh, For me, I'm just so grateful you're here and thanks for listening to my story. Have a great day. Thanks so much for joining us for Live Stoked, Lead Stoked. We know you're busy, so it means the world to me that you'd spend this time with us. If you're interested in digging deeper on the topics discussed today, be sure to check out the show notes for resources and links related to this episode. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you found this to be time well spent. Your support helps us immensely. Plus, consider leaving a review. They're like virtual high fives, and I appreciate every one of them. Finally, stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Feel free to shoot us a message or a question. Your stories and experiences enrich the community we're building here, and you never know, your question may end up on a monthly Ask Me Anything. So until next time, keep subscribing, keep reviewing, and keep living your most stoked life. We'll be back with more inspiration stories and insights. See you then.